This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. And we have reached Friday at the time when we normally do the roundtable, so we should normally do the roundtable, so let's do it. Camelot. It's only a model. Sitting around the roundtable, we have our friend from For the Win, Caroline Darney at CW Darney. How are you, my friend? I'm good. We've got one more guest here, too. <laughs> oh, do, do we have? Who, who do we have there? We Is have Maverick Bennett? here. Maverick. Maverick. Wait, we have a, a dog not named after uh, somebody <laughs> from the University of Virginia? He's not. She's not Tony Bennett Bennett. She's Elizabeth Bennett, Pride and Prejudice Bennett. I've said this Okay. <laughs> okay. My fault. Uh, and Brian Geisinger, <laughs> Devil's Den Pack Pride at Geis underscore bird is joining us. And because... Uh, if uh, if we gave out his location, the feds would be coming. Uh, he is with us just through the magic of audio. Uh, so I'll start with you, Caroline, because I can see you. Uh, let's go. Let's start with Duke and Carolina. Um, Duke won the first one. It was pretty close. Carolina had every opportunity to win that game in the second half. Duke was just a little bit better. Uh, how do you see this coming up? I think. Well, if, if it's any indication how Carolina has played in the last two games, specifically from the three-point line, I think yeah. this will be a very different outcome. This is That is one of the things that was a mess, to put it nicely, I think, for Carolina. Uh, I know coming into the Virginia game, they were shooting like 31... 28%, yeah. 29%. Like it was, I think, sub-30. Uh, and we know how that went, especially the first half. I think they were 8 for 14 in the first half against Virginia. Um, and then they made 14 threes against Florida State. And, and, look, I know Florida State is down. Their record's not great. It is still a Leonard Hamilton team full of complete athletes. Right. Um, so I'm not as, you know, any win that you can get, especially at Florida State, is always a good win in my book. So I think that this is going to be a much different looking Duke Carolina matchup. But I think Duke has looked way better in the last couple of games as well. So although it's not going to have numbers next to their name or maybe some of the hype, you know, arguably the best game in the ACC this weekend is actually Pitt Miami. Yeah, so, might be. You know, that's for the teams that are, you know, fighting out for a share of first place because the winner gets at least a share, if not outright, if Virginia can't handle it at home against Louisville, which is a sentence I hate saying out loud. So that would you know. be uh, that would be <laughs> staggering if Virginia capitulated at home to a team that has Louisville still has just four wins, right? Yeah, four yeah. and 26. Four and 26. Okay. I can't even yeah. believe uh, yeah. that that is their uh, record. Uh, guys, Duke at. Carolina, thoughts? Yeah, well, since we had some Jane Austen talk earlier, let's have a little let's have a little sense and sensibility. Oh here, my God! Uh, on, on a Friday, I'm, I'm um, leaving. I am leaving. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it would be it would only be nonsense if Virginia were to somehow uh, lose this game to uh, the Cards. <laughs> it was close last time. But, it was um, three yeah, point game. You know. Three yeah, point game not, at the Yum Center. Let's not talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, it was a strange. It was a strange game. Louisville is, to be clear, like they're playing better. Uh, yes, last, they are. I mean, and L. Ellis is a legit. Weeks. He's legit. He's legit. Yeah, dude. he's yeah. He's been awesome. It's weird sometimes seeing Louisville fans like mad at him online. I, I don't know what else you could be <laughs> asking from this guy. He's trying his best. Um, 
And as far as Duke and UNC goes, it's interesting because I rewatched that game yesterday. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of forgot how t- – I was at that game, and I kind of forgot how tight it was. Yeah. I mean, it really was just a, a couple of plays down the, down the stretch. And, uh, you know, Derek Lively with a huge putback bucket um, off the Jeremy – I think it was a Jeremy Roach uh, miss when mm-hmm. Duke went empty side uh, with Filipowski and Roach, and Roach was able to get downhill. So, I mean, I think both of these teams, Duke and UNC, are playing better than they were a month ago. Duke's def- defense has been really, really good the last month. Top 15 nationally in defensive efficiency – and Derek Lively, like, I know he's not, like, a, a huge scorer. His usage rate is under 14% this season. But what he's doing for Duke on both sides of the court, being a pressure point at the rim with his ability to get downhill in the pick and roll, and with his defense and his scheme versatility, being able to switch out, being able to play at the level, being able to drop, and then also offer elite rim protection. He's top five nationally in block rate, too. I am fascinated to see what the Caleb Love Tyrese Proctor matchup looks like. Yeah. That was one that um, you know, it really felt like Proctor got the best of him in that matchup last time though. I don't think Love had a had a terrible game in in Cameron and he still hit some shots and it yeah. was still able to to create some, but just Proctor's his ascendance as like one of the better perimeter defenders in the ACC is uh is a big deal for Duke. So, um I'm fascinated to see this game and I can't wait to see what uh, you know, HD Hubert Davis has kind of cooked up to throw at uh, Duke's defense. A couple here. of things about uh, Caleb Love in the I think I think in the first half he made three threes, and we thought we were going to get that kind of a Caleb Love performance, like we got uh, whether it was at Cameron uh, on Coach K's senior night uh, or in the Final Four when Caleb Love was tremendous in that game as well. Uh, yeah. But we it, it he didn't sustain it. Uh, Lively had big moments on both ends. I think he had eight blocks in the game. And and Duke, for all of their offensive rebounding ability, and they're one of the best, if not the best, offensive rebounding team in the league. Strangely enough, yeah. it's not Carolina this year. <laughs> it's not part of their uh, repertoire, although they're good at it uh, when they put their mind to it. Uh, Duke got some big offensive rebounds in the second half, especially late, that led to baskets that really created that separation. Um Brian, I want to I want to dig down a little deeper on uh Tyrese Proctor here. Uh cuz Proctor first half of the year was a good defender and a bad shooter. Second half of the year, he's looked like a great defender and a pretty capable shooter. So and like I think he really did a great job in Terquavian Smith in the game against State on Tuesday night. Give me give me a sense of the development from first half of the year to the second half of the year for him. Yeah, I mean, as far as the shooting, just like the sort of like raw percentages go, I, I was I'm not surprised to see that jump up. Not like he's shooting off the charts good, but right. like I think he was just getting bad luck in terms of like catch and shoot threes. Like you look at an indicator like his free throw percentage, he's a great free throw shooter, yep. right? Now he never gets to the line. Uh, <laughs> before the state game, I think he had only five yeah. free throw attempts the entire month of February. Because like, he can't beat so that, his man is, off the dribble. He, you know, he's he's crafty and he's got good size, right. and he's got nice touch on floaters and pull up twos when he's going up against drop coverage. But yeah, he's not a guy that's just going to like you know you know uh, turn the corner every single time and create advantage that way. He uses his size, his passing, um, and his craft and his shooting to kind of get into the paint and, and make reads and over the top of the defense. Um, speaking of defense, on the other side of the court, like his development is huge there. And he plays a style of defense that. 
you know, I think uh, Caroline and, you know, other UVA fans will probably appreciate because he's not like you look at his blocks and steals numbers. He doesn't get a lot. Like, in fact, he's pretty low in terms of like those percentages. But he is just the ultimate, like, do your assignment, do your job kind of guy. And there's some versatility baked into that because he guards different dudes, sort of similar to what Reese Beekman does for Virginia, where Tony Bennett just says, okay, we're just going to put you on the the best perimeter or sort of like the most, like, impactful opposing perimeter offensive player. So, like, when Virginia or Duke play Virginia Tech, Tyrese Proctor and Reese Beekman, they're not guarding Sean Padula. They guard Hunter Couture, who doesn't dribble at all, right? Like, he just comes off screens and handoffs. And, and Proctor totally took totally took him out of that game. Just the second time all year that Couture hasn't made a three, a season low, two three point attempts in that and like in that game. It's a team effort and having lively floating around just menacing everywhere, that is a game changer. But Proctor, it's the screen navigation, it's his size. Like I was courtside for that UNC game. He's just taller than, like he's he's bigger than Caleb Love. You know, like he he does have some legit size to be a to be like a point guard or combo guard defender. So again, with him, it's the mentality, it's the size, it's the screen navigation, and it is just the ultimate like keep the ball out of the paint. Or when he's guarding a guy like Couture, being locked in topside and just never losing touch with his assignment. Caroline, uh, by the way, I think uh, Terry's Proctor is an homage to the way Virginia plays defense. And Duke is also honoring Virginia by playing at a really slow pace this year. Uh, which is... Uh, <laughs> Shout it out, man. Which, Look, which is, if it works, it works. It's just fun. Uh, they, they have one guy that gets steals, Duke. Seriously. Like, it really is only Filipowski. Right. The only one. Yeah. Look, um, I think it's a fascinating matchup. Caroline, do you think that Car- Carolina has to win this game? Boy, yes. At home... I- there's a mixture of has to in this for me because has to in a sense of um, for their momentum heading into the ACC tournament, mm-hmm. I think it's a has to. For it being at home, I think it's a has to. For getting a uh, well, and this is what's weird. So I guess right there, they are <laughs> Carolina is in risk of losing their one quad one win if Virginia what? continues to have this inefficiency going on <laughs> where they could slip outside of that whatever is thirty five range on the yeah. net. Which Re- I no, think it's is thirty. Re- and regardless 30. what happens, they, they because they're playing Louisville, Virginia could slip a spot anyway. Which is Virginia wild. We all win. have thoughts on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's so they could lose. They could end up like still 0-8 in quad one game, you know, whatever. So even though they have the win against Virginia, which I think should so reasonably dumb. count as a good win. But um, in it's the rivalry, you lost the other one. Like, I think that in that sense, but they're still, as of I, last time I saw it, which I think was last night watching basketball, so recent, uh, no games have happened since. Lenardi has them as one of the first teams out. So right. yes, this is a has to win for them. There are going to be um a handful of opportunities in the ACC tournament. This has to be, this is a team, I think they have to win this one against Duke, and they have to at least win two to feel comfortable-ish mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah, look, <laughs> I mean, the ish is still there. There's going to be a lot of yeah. good quad three opportunities in Greensboro <laughs> for everybody in the I, look, Feel I'm, the excitement. <laughs> um, it's, it, at the risk of being repetitive, and I've talked about this a lot, um, it's. I have no problem with the net as a ranking 
I have a problem with how we group all of these teams and because I know that the bottom of the league has dragged everybody's numbers down, to me, it's dragging. It's making what would otherwise be quad one or quad two. Like Miami's a quad one win. I don't care where you play them. Yeah. Miami is good. Yeah. That's a quad one win. They're 35th in the net. So on your home floor, Miami's a two. It, the whole and thing is silly. My thing, and I get you can't just say like, oh, everyone, you know, everyone's being a little too hard on the ACC. But if you actually, when I look at Notre Dame, I actually, this is more me being like, I had them a top four team coming into the season because of right. everyone they brought back. and But it did not surprise me that they beat Pitt, one with the emotions of Mike Bray's last home game. They're a very good team in South Bend just historically consistently right. since he's been there but also the number of games that they've lost by three you know one to eight points in this stretch where it's not necessarily I'm not saying like they're really good you guys like don't don't be mean to to <laughs> Notre Dame but they are much better than their record reflects like that is the that is they have guys that can shoot the ball their defense is not what I expected and I think that's been their biggest issue but that's where I get kind of like Boston College is significantly better than last year. Like, significantly yeah, better I agree with that. They're like, pl- I call them plucky. They are. I call and them if, plucky. if you get them on the wrong day, and it's just one of those, like, there are other teams that have played them close. This is not just because Virginia lost to them. I don't, I've always said, like, <laughs> dude, you don't want to play midweek games no. in Chestnut Hill. Like, avoid that at all costs, like, for, the, for all of eternity. But, it's, in, it's entirely because Virginia lost up there. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, to, you no, know, no, you I look give, over the past couple pass. seasons, like, Duke and UNC, like, they've picked up losses in Chestnut Hill yeah. on, like, a Tuesday night. You don't want to do it. You don't want to go up there. I mean, look, I've, I've kind of joked. I, I'm, I'm sort of making jokes about all of it, but I think Boston College is kind of plucky. They're going to give you a problem. I think they'll give somebody a a good team of problem in Greensboro if they can get past uh, whatever the morass is of Tuesday night. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go right back to Caroline here because she's laughing at my jokes. Um, who's the ACC player of the year? Oh, I went back and forth, but I think I'm going Isaiah Wong. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just think you know, he's, he's, he's a weird case when you look statistically. I think this is a year where there hasn't, to me, been someone that is – leaps and bounds leagues ahead of everybody else right. um, and there are cases to be made I think for several people yes. and for Isaiah Wong for me it's he does a lot of things solidly there's not necessarily he scores a lot of points he's got a good three point shooting percentage he's going to be in the top 25 in a lot of categories mm-hmm. across the ACC um, but he's not like when because you look at like an Armando Baycott and you're like this guy gets buckets this guy gets rebounds like it's clear with the double double so he, it, I went between the two of them um, but I think I'm giving it to Wong because his team's in first place that's fine is that, that bad is that a bad differentiator well, I feel like that's be, a, that's because a lazy his team differentiator. because his team is in first place is a bad differentiator uh, or whatever word I just made up uh, in my opinion Brian Geisinger uh, Devils Den Pack Pride who's the ACC Player of the Year. Don't forget streaking the lawn too, baby. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, you streaking. Two, you got two. You got a couple streaking the lawn. That's uh, right. Your contributors on here, but um, yeah, actually, so just real quickly about Boston College, Quinn Post makes them tough. Like a seven footer that can shoot and mm-hmm. pass. Like that's just a, a different piece that not every college team is like equipped to defend. It makes it tough. I think there's a lot of guys that you that are like B plus ACC Player of the Year candidates. It's like you can make a case for. A bunch of different guys, yeah. um, but I would actually agree with uh, with uh, with with Caroline here. Like I would go Isaiah Wong too. 
Um, I think he's been, you know, it's interesting. I thought for, I thought Tyree Appleby and Terquavion Smith for most of the year were like the best guard in the league. And I think you could actually make cases for those guys or for Joyner. Yeah. But I think I think Isaiah Wong, start to finish, has been like the best perimeter offensive player in the league. His team is really, really good. He gets steals defensively. And I mean, he's the best player on the on the league's best team. Um Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. And I think in a moment like this, where Baycott has not really established himself like this. Kyle Filipowski struggled a little bit down the stretch here. Um, You know, other veteran guys like Justin Mutz maybe didn't have quite the season you thought he would. Hunter Tyson, P.J. Hall, like there's a bunch of guys, but I'll go Isaiah Wong as well. I think there's going to be seven, maybe eight different players that get votes for ACC Player of the Year. Have we gone completely off the rails and done 10 player first teams now are we doing oh, that right okay. i don't think yes. yet have okay, we we've had ties right where we've had six guys on first team or something I, yes but it, right now <laughs> the, the the old rule used to be i have no idea how many players are on first team anymore uh but if it was five in order for somebody to be the acc player of the year he had to be on the first team because there yeah. was a time way back in the day where the person who got the most acc votes was on second team which, of course, is just silly, but something like that could happen this year. I think we did a poll last week. We have to go here in a sec, uh, or earlier this week. ACC Player of the Year, Armando Baycott, Jarkel Joyner, who would be my pick, uh, or, and I put Isaiah Wong, and then I put Roger Ayers. Uh, because, <laughs> I saw that. Right. I mean, why, why not? But uh, it's, it's very strange. Um, but it, th- there's so many players. The reason I say Joyner, I think Joyner's been their best player. At state, I love Terquavian Smith. He's their best prospect, but I think start to finish, in terms of consistency, um, efficiency as well, I think Joiner's been their guy, and he's certainly played well in almost every game down the stretch. So he would. Be I think State better. knocks. I think State knocks someone off big in the tournament. I'm not going. Not in the, the NC, tournament. In the, in the NCAA tournament. I agree with you. Yeah. That back. That's where. That's Casey where all this conversation the- about which conference is best, et cetera, et cetera. I understand it all comes out to what, like, but I'm sorry. Like, I don't, wouldn't want to see, if I were one seed, I don't want to see an eight seed state. You get Turk heated up. You mm-hmm. get, like, burns in the post, maybe a different <laughs> way. Like, if it's officiate, like, depending on how you officiate it when you're playing NC State with yep. some of those, like, offensive offensive fouls. Um, but All right, real quick, Caroline, who wins the ACC tournament? I know we, we don't even know brackets because it's going to change this weekend. Just give me a pick for the ACC tournament. Miami. Miami. Brian. Yeah, Miami. Give me that offense and um, <laughs> in that starting lineup All right. of Miami. Uh, sight unseen. I'll take the wolf back. Uh, Ooh, Caroline Darney at, uh, from For the Win at CW Darney streaking the lawn. Brian Geisinger, streaking along. He writes for every ACC website uh, in the 20, what, 24-7, right? 24-7 family? Did I get uh, that right? In, in some Vox SB Nation, too. Gosh, yeah, so. you're amazing. Brian, at B. underscore. He is. He is a maven. 
Guys underscore bird on Twitter. Thank you both. I appreciate it. You guys have a weekend. Awesome. And we had uh, we had literal lit- literary references. It was tremendous. I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.